Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Two-footed podcast on Wednesday, the 14th of September, brought to you by epillindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield are a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location and access things you're geo-blocked from. For example, UK expats wanting access to BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub, all four. A Liberty Shield VPN can get you where you want to go and keep your data safe which is the number one most important thing in these modern days on the interwebs liberty shield is the number one rated vpn provider on Trustpilot with five star ratings across the board and if you go to libertyshield.com right now and use the code epl25 that's epl25 you get 25 percent off at checkout there's a hardware package and a software package you can make your choice and get what you want straight away we're also brought to you by home of hopcroft a giftware and homework company located in scotland but shipping worldwide check out home of hopcroft.co.uk and finally do check out the epl index and anfield index shops which you can find on etsy use the codes epl10 or red10 to get 10 percent off at checkout right folks we had champions league last night we had seven games inter milan 2 victoria victoria Plisson nil edin jekyll and denzel dumfries with the goals for inter gets their champions league campaign up and running sporting two tottenham nil Paulinha in the 90th minute and arthur in the 93rd minute with the goals to give ruben amram's team 
I think, a well-deserved victory. I thought they were the better team on the day. I thought Marcus Edwards, Concalves and Trinkio caused Spurs' backline a lot of problems. I thought Ugarte in midfield was absolutely monstrous. And Inacio, the young centre-back, proved why many, many clubs are after him. But the standout there was Pedro Porro, the Spanish right wing-back, who they've had on loan the previous two seasons and signed in the summer on a permanent deal from Manchester City. He's one to keep an eye on. He's one that will be moving for big money at some point in the near, near future. Disappointing result for Spurs. Disappointing performance from Spurs. I really think Conte has to look at getting Basuma in that team really quickly and bringing Kulisewski back into the front three because the pairing of Son and Richarlison with Kane doesn't bring enough creativity. You're not going to get creativity from Emerson at right wing back. So you've got to get Kulisewski in that front three. Son is out of form. So for the time being, Richarlison could be the starter. But you do know that Son is the better of the two and will come back into that team quite soon. Liverpool 2, Ajax 1, Mohamed Salah on 17 minutes after good work by Diaz and Jota. Mohamed Kudus on 27 equalised for Ajax, outstanding left-footed strike into the top corner. But Liverpool kept going, kept creating, dominated the game, and Joel Matip got them their deserved winner in the 89th minute with a header from a Costas Simicus corner. Bayern Munich 2, Barcelona nil. I actually think Barca were the better team in this game, but Bayern got two goals in five minutes from Lucas Hernandez and Leroy Sané, and that was enough to see off the Catalans. Pedri missed two really good chances. But I have to say, I thought Bayern did a really good job of bottling up the front three of Barca. They started with Rafinha, Lewandowski and Usman Dembele. And I did think Bayern's defence did very, very well. I thought Upa Meccano had maybe his best performance for Bayern. Uh, Lucas Hernandez is tremendous. He's probably the best French centre-back right now. And those two kept Matthias De Ligt sitting on the bench. Now, De Ligt has been starting in the league, but I thought those two looked really good last night. And I wonder if there's a back three in the future because Nagelsmann has a history with the back three. You put De Ligt, Upamecano and Hernandez as a three, Masraoui and... Davies as the wingbacks, Kimmich plus one in midfield, and then your front three is whatever your front three is going to be. Musiala, Sane plus one. Um, possibly, possibly something to keep an eye on. Barca are building a really good team. It needs to be said. That front three is really exciting. Now, obviously, Lewandowski is not a long-term piece, but he's going to score a lot of goals for the next couple of years. Gavi and Pedri are phenomenal in midfield. Busquets is the one they'll need to look to replace, but that needs to happen quite soon because he has lost probably two steps and he really couldn't afford to lose any. He's still brilliant from a positional standpoint. He still reads the game exceptionally well. He knows where he needs to be. He's just struggling to get there. In defence, Kunde played right back. His future's at centre-back. 
him and the Rahil. They've got young Balde, who's the future at left back. If they add a high ceiling right back, I think that defence is going to be fairly special uh, for the long haul. Now, goalkeeper is a question mark. Delic uh, Ter Stegen at one point was one of the best in the world, but has fallen off quite badly. So I think they need to replace him as well. So goalkeeper, right back and a holding midfielder. And then figure out who your long-term nine is going to be. Go and get that player, bring him in, develop him behind Lewandowski. They've got, obviously, Anzu Fati to come into that attack as well, which is incredible. They got, say, Malo Gusto from Leon at right back. That would fill that spot perfectly. He is a sensation. Get him... The defence is complete. Get that goalkeeper, get that holding midfielder and find that striker. And that's pretty much all they have to do other than build out the squad. And they can do that by doing what they did with, say, Pedri and hoovering up the best young talent in Spain and some of the best young talent around Europe and doing it at an affordable, cost-effective price. And all of a sudden, Barca are going to be scary again. This was the shock of the night. Porto nil, Club Bruges four in Porto. Jutkla scored the first after 15 minutes from the penalty spot. Sawa, Skovolson and Nusa wrapping it up. I I watched the highlights of this game. I really don't know how Porto lost 4-0 because it was a fairly even game, all told. One team just took their, their chances really well. And the other one just didn't. Always let themselves down at the final ball. Marseille nil, Eintracht Frankfurt won. Jesper Lindstrom with the only goal of the game on 43 minutes. Really disappointing for Marseille. Really, really disappointing. But Eintracht were able to play to their strengths. They were able to bed in and just wallop them on the counter-attack over and over and over again. And it is the one thing that Eintracht do so well is they counter-attack brilliantly. And they've just got really quick transitions. And that's how they got the win last night. So fair play. Leverkusen 2, Atletico Madrid 0. Robert Andrich and Moussa Diaby with the goals in the 84th and 87th minute. This was a big win for Leverkusen. This was a win they needed. Now, they did line up with four centre-backs. Uh, Kasunu played right back. Hincapi played left back. Tapsapa started at centre-back. He went off. Kasunu moved into the middle. And Frimpong came on at right-back and made a massive difference. Hudson-Odoi, I thought, did really well once he went into the number 10 position. He struggled wide. And I wonder if Sioni needs to have a look at maybe Diaby on a wing, Hlozek on a wing, and Hudson-Odoi is the 10 behind Schick. Because that seemed to work a lot better, especially once Frimpong was on. And that combination down the wing for um for Leverkusen with uh with Frimpong overlapping Diaby was was what changed the game. Uh, Atleti looked stale. They looked really stale. They lined up with a flat five. Uh Mandava as a wing back or full back isn't working, which is weird because that's what he was, but He's been Simeone, and he's now a centre-back. 
don't really like Axel Witzel as a centre-back at all, to be honest. And a back three of Witzel, Felipe and Hermoso is not, it's not anywhere close to what Simeone needs to be working with. Molina at right back, I do really like. Uh, the three in midfield, Lorente, Coke, and Saul, all of them have passed their best years, unfortunately, or at least they're past the best they can offer Simeone. Uh, Morata and Felix up front. I mean, Alvaro Morata starting in a Champions League game at this point. It's just, it's less than ideal. And you've got Matthias Cunha and Angel Correa and Antoine Griezmann all sitting on the bench. You know, you've got Rodrigo de Paul sitting on the bench and he should be starting in that midfield. I don't really understand what Simeone is trying to accomplish with this back three, but it's not working for him. Or the back five as it was yesterday. So that's yesterday's seven games. Tonight we have nine games uh, because the Rangers game had to be postponed for a night. So our early kickoffs are Shakhtar Donetsk against Celtic. Now this game was obviously meant to be played in Donetsk, but that can't happen. So it has been played in the Polish Armed Forces Stadium, which is in Warsaw, a capacity of just under 32,000. This is where Donetsk are having to play their home games. So should be an interesting game. You'd imagine Donetsk will be the favourites. They started their campaign in pretty impressive form, destroyed Leipzig 4-1 last week. Celtic had a 3-0 defeat against Real Madrid that didn't really reflect the game. Uh, Celtic gave as good as they got, just the quality of Real told in the end. So you'd have to back Shakhtar at home to be favourites in this one. Uh, Mudrik will be the, the player to watch, I think, for Shakhtar. He was exceptional in that game against Lever- against Leipzig. Rather. Uh, the other early kickoff is AC Milan at home to Dinamo Zagreb. Zagreb obviously shocked everybody last week when they beat Chelsea and that was the straw that broke the camel's back at Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel found himself sacked after it. Uh, Milan Milan are in good form. They drew at Salzburg last week last week in the Champions League which is a bit of a disappointing result but it was a way so you'll take that. They beat Sampdoria at the weekend 2-1 uh, despite Rafael Leo getting sent off. Would expect a big performance from him tonight. I think this will be a fun game, so it might be the one to watch of the early kickoffs. And then seven games at 8pm. Rangers against Napoli. Rangers got torn apart by Ajax last week. Napoli tore Liverpool apart last week. There will be no Napoli fans at this game, so I don't know if that's going to mean empty seats or if more Rangers fans are going to be allowed in. I'm not really sure. But... um. Napoli should go there and beat them, but the power of Ibrox, we saw it last year, in their run in the Europa League, it was their home home advantage that was just massive for them. So, it could be an, easy, an even enough game. Napoli won't have Osman, but if they play close to their best, they should win the game. Chelsea at home to Salzburg, the first game of the Graham Potter era. It's one of the more favourable games you could have gotten at home, but there's a lot of talent in that Salzburg team and they're not to be taken lightly. 
but Chelsea should win the game fairly comfortably. It'll be interesting to see if he can if he can apply much of what he had at Brighton quickly at Chelsea. I'd be really curious to see if he'll try that inverted wing back. Solly March one side, Trossard the other thing that he was doing. I don't know who he'd do it with. Um, I mean, Chelsea don't have a lot of left-footed players. Can only really think of Kai, Cucurella and Chilwell. Maybe he'd play Chilwell on the right and Reese James on the left. But I assume he'll play Reese James on the right and Cucurella on the left. I assume he will stick to a back three. Uh, but it should be an interesting one. Real Madrid against Leipzig. You'd expect Real to win this game comfortably. But Leipzig did look much better at the weekend under Marco Rose than they had in previous games this season under Tedesco. Real will come into the game full of confidence and full of belief that they'll go on and win. Now, no Benzema, which is obviously a blow, but still more than enough talent there. Uh, Copenhagen at home to Sevilla. Sevilla have made such a poor start to the season that the pressure is really building on Lopetegui. Uh, at the weekend, they did manage to get a win. They beat Espanyol 3-2. Lamella scored, then he got sent off. Uh, Carmona scored the other two. But having gone 3-0 up, they did get dragged back to 3-2. And there's definitely been question marks about that defence. Obviously, they sold Kunde, they sold Diego Carlos, and the players that arrived in, while talented, not necessarily ready to play for a big club like Sevilla on a regular basis. Now, Marquio is a bit older, and once he's kind of fully fit and up to speed, um, he should be fine. But they spent big on Nianzu, and he is very, very talented, but he's also very, very young, and he has looked a little bit ropey so far. So be curious to see what they put out uh, in this game. At the weekend, they very much went for uh, a patchwork job where Gudej, who's a midfielder, uh, played next to Valiente, who's a young, inexperienced central defender with, I think, more of a future as a fullback than as a centre-back. I think he's too small to be a... Um, I think he's too small to be a centre-back in the long run. I think he probably ends up playing at fullback or as a holding midfielder because he's quite good in the ball, has really good positional sense. Moving on then. Our next game is Juventus versus Benfica. Benfica going really well in the Portuguese league. Juventus having a very messy start to the season. I would imagine that Allegri is under big pressure. And it won't take much, I don't think, for Juventus to, to decide to make a change. Now, it would be quite un-Juventus-like to make a change mid-season. They normally will wait until the end of a year. But given how early we are in this season and given there is a big break coming up for both the internationals and then for the World Cup, might be a good time to make the change. Get a manager in who can try and work some magic, get the squad turned around, go aggressive in January to get a couple of players in and have a have a bash at trying to do something in the second half of the season. You've got Pochettino and Thomas Tuchel both sitting out there available You'd imagine 
a club like Juve with their profile and their prestige would be of interest to both managers and that both managers would be of interest to Juventus. Um, if they don't win tonight, I think I think we'll see um, a rise in the discontent with the manager. Maccabee Haifa against PSG. Uh, generally have, genuinely have no idea how Maccabee are doing this season in Israel. They are top four wins from four. Ten goals scored, four, oh, sorry, three conceded, two points clear of Maccabee Tel Aviv. Uh, their win probability before a ball is kicked is 8%. Uh, they lost 2-0 to Benfica in their first game. You would imagine they will lose to PSG uh, in that game tonight, which should be should be straightforward for PSG. But a trip to Israel is always a bit weird because it's obviously quite far. And it's not somewhere that you find these top teams having to go very often. And then lastly, Manchester City versus Borussia Dortmund, the Erling Haaland derby as it is. Hard to know what to make of Dortmund because they looked so, so poor at the weekend against Leipzig. But there's a lot of talent in the squad. There doesn't seem to be much of a game plan, though. Now, I do like a lot of their players. I think there's an awful lot of talent in that squad. But there's been something the last few years where they just seem to be lacking that last little bit that turns you from a, a very good team into a great team. Now, obviously, talent is the biggest factor, but like this is a team that had Haaland and Sancho together and could never quite get it done. They had a big summer selling Haaland, selling a Kanji both to City, um, let a bunch of older players go, brought in Nicolas Sula. I'm not a big fan of that move. I don't think he's been particularly good. I do very much like Nico Schlotterberg. I think he's done quite well. They brought in Adiemi from Salzburg, and I think he will score a lot of goals once he settles in. Sally Oskan was a great signing. He'd been really good for Cologne, and I think he'll be really good for them. I think the best use of him is in a two with De Hood and put Bellingham a- ahead of them as a number 10 behind whichever striker they decide to go with. Could be Sebastian Haller, who was the big money signing in the summer. Um, He's obviously out for the time being with his recovery. So, you know, we wish him well in that. But, you know, you look at some of the other options in the squad and they've got a good goalkeeper in Gregor Kobalde. He's, I think he's injured at the minute, but, you know, Gio Reyna, super talented. Torgan Hazard, talented, inconsistent. Marco Royce, still a very, very good player. And I'm very much hoping he will get to go to the World Cup this year because um, it's been a tough time for him with the injuries that have cost him multiple tournaments. Um, They've got Jaden Braff, who they brought in from City, very highly regarded young Dutch forward. They obviously have Daniel Malin, who they signed last summer, but it hasn't really worked so far. There's a lot of talent there. Julian Brand, still knocking about, never really got close to the level that he should have. 
there's a, there's more than enough talent there to put a really good team on the pitch. They do lack in certain areas. Like I wouldn't be overly keen on any of the right backs at the club. Uh, I think they've got a decent enough situation at left back. Centre back, you could do it getting one in, but in attack, there's just there's loads of options, and there's good options in midfield. It just never seems to click properly for them. Now Terzic, who took over from Lucien Favre, won a cup, then got replaced by Marco Rose, stayed as a technical director, and then replaced Rose in the summer. He just doesn't seem to quite have a grasp on what he wants yet. But he is very young, and this is his first time as the actual manager. So you do have to give him time. But City should be very confident about being able to open them up and score a number of goals. When you've got Haaland, you're going to score goals. You've got Foden and Mares and Bernardo and Grealish and Gundogan and De Bruyne. There's going to be goals coming for City. Uh, you'd expect City to win the game fairly easily. You could see City winning three or four. Three or four one, maybe. Now, I will say... Dortmund caused City problems last year, but that was with, you know, Marco Rose's style of playing, which is a little bit different. They didn't have Haaland in those games, but at the same time, City didn't have him either. So we'll see. I'd expect City to win that game. Um, so for tonight, I'm going to say Shakhtar, as much as it pains me, Shakhtar, Milan, Napoli, Chelsea, Real, Copenhagen, Sevilla, I'll go the draw. Juve Benfica, I think I'll go the draw as well. PSG to beat Haifa and City to beat Dortmund. And at that, I think I will take a break. And when we come back, we will carry on with what the league might look like if they just carried on during the World Cup and made teams play without the players who are gone to play in Qatar. So we'll see you in a minute. Right, welcome back. So, yesterday we did Arsenal through to Leeds. Today we will do Leicester through to Wolves. So let's start with Leicester City. Um, obviously, fairly strong squad there. Danny Ward will go to the World Cup, uh, you would have to imagine. I'd imagine he'd probably be first choice for the Welsh. Uh, James Justin won't go. I don't think Woot Faze will go. I could be wrong, but I don't think he'll go. Uh, Turkey haven't qualified, so Cagliostro will stay. Bertrand will be there. Uh, will be at the club rather, not at the World Cup. Evans won't be going. Barnes won't be going. Tielemans will be going. Vardy won't. I don't think Madison will. Uh, Albrighton won't. Smithies won't. Uh, none of their um Nigerians, Ianacho and Ndidi will be going because obviously they didn't qualify. Daniel Amarty will go. Uh, Yosi Perez won't. Pat Sandaka won't. Ricardo Pereira probably will if he's fit. Um, Nampali's Mendy, I don't know if he'll be in the squad or not. Uh, Dennis Pryat, I doubt. Timothy Castney, I think, will go. Daniel Iverson, 
I'm not sure he'll make the uh the Danish squad. He's never been capped by Denmark and he is 25 now, so I'm guessing not. Luke Thomas won't go and Bubakari Samare won't go. So they would have Iverson in goal, Justin right back, Thomas left back, FaZe and Sionchu as the centre back. I'm probably butchering that new lad's name, but that's what it is until I hear otherwise. Uh, so the defence, I think, will be fine. I think that's about as strong a defence as they can actually put out. They can sit Ndidi and Sumari in front of that. Then they can play Madison and Barnes as sort of the flanking midfielders tucked in as dual tens when they have the ball. Uh, there's also the Dewsbury Hall option to play any of those midfield roles. So it probably would be Ndidi and Dewsbury Hall as the two with Barnes and Madison ahead. And then I would say Daka and Ianacho up front with the likes of of, of Vardy, of Sumare, of Priet, of Perez, of Albrighton off the bench. So Leicester would be pretty good. Like Leicester wouldn't be far off their best team anyway. So they'll be fine. Um, next up then will be Liverpool Alisson will be gone Joe Gomez will not Fabinho will be gone Virgil van Dijk will be gone I don't think Canate is going to make the French squad because he's missing this chunk of the season that I think is would have been crucial I don't think Thiago will get called up for Spain Um, it, it appears that Luis Enrique doesn't think he's should be in the team Whereas, in truth, he's comfortably the best Spanish midfielder. Uh, James Milner won't. Naby Keita won't. Bobby Firmino will be gone. Salah won't. Adrian won't. Henderson will be gone. Oxlade-Chamberlain, Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott, they will all remain at Liverpool. Jota will go with Portugal. Um, Greece didn't qualify, so Costa Simicus is good to stay. Same with Calvin Ramsey, Luis Diaz. Andy Robertson, uh, Darwin Nunes will go to the World Cup with Uruguay, you would imagine. Fabio Carvalho won't make the Portuguese squad. Uh, Arthur likely won't make the Brazilian squad. Joel Matip is retired from international football. Nat Phillips will never play international football. Cuevin Kelleher won't go because Ireland didn't qualify. And I don't think he'll pick Trent. I think he'll pick Reese James, Kyle Walker, and Kieran Trippier as his right backs and leave Trent behind. He would have left Trent out of the Euro squad, only there was injuries. I think he'll leave him out of the World Cup squad. So that leaves Liverpool with Kelleher in goal, Trent at right back. I'm going to say Matip and Kanate as the centre backs. Simicus as the left back or Robertson, either way. Midfield, I suppose Arthur as the as the six with Keita and Thiago either side of him. And then up front, you'll have Salah and Diaz either side of Fabio Carvalho, seems like the only real option. But that's still a good team. So I think Liverpool would be all right as well. Don't think they'd have too many problems getting through a few games during the World Cup. 
Uh, Manchester City. Kyle Walker would be gone. Ruben Diaz would be gone. I think Calvin Phillips and John Stones both make the England squad. Aki will go with Denmark, or with Denmark, with the Netherlands most likely. Shevchenko will be gone. I think Gundogan's gone. They'll have Haaland. Grealish will be gone. Laporte, I'm not sure on. With the injury, he might not be ready to go to the World Cup. Rodri will be gone. De Bruyne will be gone. Ortega will stay. Alvarez probably will make the Argentina squad. Bernardo Silva's definitely going. Sergio Gomez is staying behind. Uh, Akanji almost certainly will be in the Switzerland squad. Riyad Mahrez won't be going because Algeria didn't qualify. Ederson will go. Scott Carson won't. Phil Foden will. Uh, Cole Palmer and Rico Lewis will stay behind. So City would be in a spot of bother. Uh, City would be in quite the spot of bother. So they'd have Ortega in goal. I'll say Laporte stays because the injury rules him out of the World Cup, but he can stay and play in the league. Gomez at left back. Um, so we need two. <laughs> we need two in in defence. In midfield, everybody is gone. So you're looking at Cole Palmer, and probably having to recall James McAtee and Tommy Doyle. And then up front, you'll have Mares, Haaland. And I'm guessing you would have to recall maybe Liam Delap. And then in defense, I don't know, is Rico Lewis, is he is he a center back or he's a right back? So he'll be the right back. So you're short a center back. Um Taylor Howard Bellis back from his loan at Burnley. City would be in major trouble. City would be hit more, than, I think, than probably anyone else, uh, which wouldn't be ideal for them. Manchester United then. De Gea will go. Uh, Lindelof won't. Phil Jones won't. Harry Maguire will. Martinez will. Cristiano and Bruno will. Martial won't. Rashford probably will. Malasia, I don't think, will make the Dutch squad. Eriksen would be gone. Fred and Casemiro would be gone. Varane would be gone. I think Delo will make the, the Portuguese squad. I don't think Anthony will make the Brazil squad. Tom Heaton will stay behind. Luke Shaw, I'm guessing, will miss out. Sancho will be gone. Palestri is still there. Wambasaka is still there. Dubravka still there. Brandon Williams still there. Donny van der Beek, I'm not sure on. He's not playing enough, so he doesn't really justify a spot in the day in the Dutch squad. Uh, Sweden didn't make it, so Alanga won't be going. And uh, the only other one then is Garnacho, and I don't think he'll make the squad. So they'll lose a few. Uh, they'll end up with Dubravka in goal, Wambasaka right back, Luke Shaw left back, Victor Lindelof and Phil Jones as their centre-backs. Uh, McTominay, Donny van der Beek, and... That's probably your double pivot. Then you go Garnacho maybe as a 10 behind Martial with Palestri and Elanga as the wingers. It's it's not ideal, 
but it's not terrible either. Like it would get you through some games. Uh, let's do Newcastle next then. Trippier will go. I don't think Dummett will. Botman probably will go. Shar will go. Lachelles won't. I don't think Jolington will go. Shelby won't go. Wilson won't go. St. Maximum won't go. Richie, Lewis, Target, they won't go. Isaac and Kraft, they didn't qualify. Carius won't go. Mankeo won't be going. Uh, Chris Wood. No, New Zealand didn't make it today, no. Um, Fraser won't go. Nick Pope, I think, will go. Uh, Murphy, Almiron, Darlow, Willock, Gillespie, Anderson, Burn, Longstaff, none of them are going. I think Bruno Gomerich probably will make the uh will make the World Cup squad for, for Brazil because he's been a big part of the kind of the squad and he's not a big part, he's been a part of the squad for the last couple of years and he's having a, a really good time at Newcastle. He's in really good form. So I would guess he will be part of the squad. So they will have um let's just say Loris Carius and goal. Craft at right back, Target at left back, Lachelles and Dan Byrne at centre back, midfield of Jolington, Shelby, and Willock, Almiron, Isaac, and St. Maxim up front. So, I mean, it's pretty close to their full strand team, just missing what two players really. Trippier, right? Oh, Trippier, Botman, to be fair, four players. Trippier, Botman, and Shar, and Gamerish, but still a decent team. I still think they'd be all right. They'd be able to win some games. Nottingham Forest. Um, I think Dean Henderson will go. Bianconi won't. Cook, Worrell, they won't go. Mangala, I don't think he'll make the Belgian squad. Um, Mabeso won't go. Nico Williams will go. Jack Callback won't. Awani obviously not going. Uh, Gibbs White won't go. Lingard won't go. Lingard might. Lingard might go because Southgate loves him. Uh, Wayne Hennessy probably makes the Welsh squad. Got 104 caps. I'm guessing. Like, how has he got 104 caps? That is madness. 104 caps. He's been a first-team starter for six years in his entire career, and he is 35 years of age. Uh, Lewis O'Brien, Tafolo, Surridge, Cafu, Niakate, they won't go. Brennan Johnson will. Koyate will. Froiler will. Yates won't. Dennis won't. McKenna won't. Richards won't. Bade won't. Bolly won't. Lodi might make the Brazil squad, but I doubt it. Uh, Lyle Taylor and Serge Aurier won't go. The question is, who plays in goal? So they probably have to bring back Ethan Horvath off his loan. Uh, at the back, they can go Worrell. They can go Bade and either Niakati or, or McKenna. So they'll be fine. Right wing back, then Aurier. Left wing back, Lodi. In midfield, they'll have their choice. I would say Mangala, 
and Lewis O'Brien probably the two to start together. Gibbs White as the 10 behind Emmanuel Dennis and Teu Uwaniyi. So that's a pretty good team. The goalkeeper is the big question mark there, but I think they'd be all right. I think they'd still be able to win enough games to keep their heads above water. Right, next up then is Southampton. Uh, Alex McCarthy won't go. I wouldn't be hugely surprised if Kyle Kyle Walker-Peters made the squad because he can play both full-back spots, but I'm guessing he won't. Uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles won't. Lianco won't make the Brazil squad. Kaleta Carr probably makes the Croatian squad. Ariba won't be going. Ward Prowse will probably make the England squad. I think he probably will. Uh, Adam Armstrong, Che Adams, Willie Caballero, Roman Perot, Stuart Armstrong, Sekou Mara, Musa Gineppo, Tino Livermento, none of them would be going. Mohamed Salisu, I think he has now declared to play for Ghana or he has now accepted to be called up for Ghana. Uh, Edozi won't go. El Yunusi won't go. Diallo won't go. Larius won't go. Basuna won't go. Walcott won't go. Bella Kotchep, if he keeps playing this way, he's going to be hard to ignore for Germany, but he probably doesn't make this World Cup. And the same goes for Romeo Lavia, who's been absolutely brilliant so far, but it's probably too soon for him, unless they want to take him as a kind of experience gainer for him. But I'm guessing that neither of them get the, get the call. So they would have Basuna and goal. They'll have... Uh, Walker Peters and Perot as their fullbacks. Bella Kotchup and Lianco as the centre backs. Midfield, they can play Lavia and Diallo as two sitters. They can go with. They're playing a back three of late, in fairness. So I should probably try and stick to that. But. They don't actually have another centre-back. They'd have to bring someone back off alone. So we'll just move them to a back four and we'll say nothing. Um, Seiko Mara on one wing and I would say Samuel Adozi on the other because he just looks like he belongs. Um, Joe Arrivo as the 10 and Che Adams as the 9. So it's fairly close to full strength. You'd be losing... Salisu, uh, Ward Prowse from what has been the team, and I think Coletta Carr is probably going to play in the middle of the back three once everybody's settled in. Um, but it's still a good team, it still is a good team. Southampton wouldn't be too badly affected. What about Tottenham then? They're going to lose a bunch of players, and I think their issue is going to be they don't have much left in attack. So Lloris will go, Doherty won't, Skip won't, Heusberg will, Sanchez won't, Sun will, Richarlison will, Kane will, uh, Hill won't, Emerson Royal won't, Perisic will, Dyer might, might, I don't think he will, but he might, Romero will, Cessna won't, Forster won't, Kuliseski won't, Spence won't, Tanganga won't, Lucas Moura, maybe, but probably not. Papi Matar Sarr, I don't think, will make the Senegalese squad for the World Cup. Maybe, actually, to be fair, he's been in... No, he probably will, actually. He probably will. Uh, Bentoncourt will. Davies will. Langley won't. Basuma won't. 
Alston won't and Harvey White won't. So um, what we're left with is Fraser Forster in goal, less than ideal. As a back three, they'll have, I suppose, Sanchez, Dyer and Langley. The wingbacks will be Emerson or Spence and then Cessnion on the other side. Central midfields, Basuma and Skip. Up front is the issue. Um, they'll have Kulosevsky. They'll have Brian Hill. They could play them as the wide players. And maybe just if Lucas Moura doesn't make the Brazil squad, and to be fair, he won't make the Brazil squad. He hasn't been called up for four years. Um Lucas Moura then as the false nine, it's it's not going to get you a lot of goals. Maybe they'd have to look to bring back Dane Scarlett off his loan. Looks a very, very talented player, that lad. So that might be the best option. But the, the rest of the team is still fairly strong, other than the goalkeeper. Uh, what of West Ham United then? They're definitely going to lose a few. Um does Fabianski still get called up by Poland? No, he is retired from Poland. Uh, ben Johnson won't be called up. Cresswell won't be called up. Zuma might, but I... He might, but I doubt it. Played a fair bit last year. He hasn't played this year. Um, The Czechs didn't qualify, so Sufal will stay. Italy didn't qualify, so Skamaka stays. Fornal stays. Antonio will still be there, obviously, because Jamaica didn't make it. Uh, Lanzini won't be called up. Paqueta probably will, or almost certainly will. Flynn Downs won't. I don't think Ariola will. Uh, Corne didn't qualify. Dawson won't. Bowen, Bowen probably will. Could see him being one of the attackers that Southgate picks. Um, <clears throat> ben Rama and Ogbonna won't. Career will. Agard almost certainly will. Suchek won't because he didn't qualify. Uh, and then the same goes for Coventry, Palmieri and Randolph. Declan Rice will and Harrison Ashby won't. So Ariola should be the goalkeeper. So we'll play Ariola. We'll go Sufal, Dawson, Zuma and Cresswell or Palmieri. Midfield, it's going to have to be Suchek and Flynn Downs. Cornet on the right, Fornells as the Fornells as the 10, or off, or, or off the left, and Ben Rama as the 10, they can swap. And then, or do you know what I'd do? Play Antonio off the left, play Skamaka up front, play Fornells as the 10. That'll work. And that's actually a pretty strong team. It's not as good as they could have because they're losing two key defenders. They're losing a key attacking midfielder and they're losing their captain and one of the best players in Declan Rice. So not as good as they could have, but still not terrible. Um, Still not terrible. So that's kind of the, the main thing for them. And then I think we just have the one left, do we? We just have Wolves left. So... Lots of Portuguese in this squad. 
they could be absolutely decimated. But Jose Sarr won't be called up because he's never been called up. Aitnuri won't be called up. Collins didn't qualify. Traore didn't qualify. Uh, Neto, I think, is unlikely to be called up at this stage. Neves will be gone. Um, Jimenez will be gone. Pedence won't. Hechan won't. Oh, Hechan probably will. Huang Hechan probably will. Sarkic won't. Mosquera won't. Guedes, I don't think, gets called up. Kalasic is injured. Uh, Johnny won't be called up. Chiquinho won't be called up. Nelson Semedo, it's possible. But then, how often has he been called? He, hasn't, well, he was called up seven times last year. Uh, Max Kilman won't. Toti won't. Nunes will be gone. Ronan will be still there. Joe Matinho will be gone. Almost certainly this will be his international swan song. Diego Costa won't get called up. Adama Traore won't get called up. So uh, they have lost their starting midfield, but they will have they will have most of the defence. They can go San goal, Johnny right back, Nuri left back, Collins and Kilman. So that's strong. They've got uh, Bubakar, Traore in midfield, and they can partner him with Connor Ronan. I think that's about all they can do. Um, you play Adama one wing, you play Pedences the 10, Neto the other wing, and Guedes up front. It's probably the best thing they can do. Um, it's not a bad team, it's not a bad team. I don't, I don't know much about Connor Ronan to be fair. He's been at Wolves since he was 16, which is eight years ago. Uh, he's played seven times for them. He hasn't, sorry, he's played 16 times for them. He has not played for them since the 17-18 season. Uh, he's had a lot of loans. He was on loan at Portsmouth. He was on loan at Walsall, both in League One. He was on loan with FC DAC 1904 in Slovakia for two years or a, a year and a half by the looks of it. Um. Spent a bit of time with Blackpool on loan. He was on loan at Grasshoppers in Switzerland, or Grasshopper in Switzerland, and then he was on loan at St Mirren last year in the Scottish Premier uh, Premiership and did very well. Scored eight goals for them. Hasn't been called up yet by Ireland, and he's twenty four now. And Ireland aren't exactly flush with options, so the better option might be to try and bring someone back off a loan. Uh, maybe bring back Luke Cundle, who who looked talented when he got an opportunity. But yeah, that's that's basically where they are and what they've got to work with. So again, it's not terrible. City are the team hit hardest. Like City are the one team that kind of get decimated by it. Everybody else, I think, could get by. And I do think it would be fairly decent. City are the one team that would absolutely lose their life if they were, if they were uh, told that this had to happen. Right, let's finish up then with some news and some gossip. Saw this earlier and it really annoyed me. Uh, not for the kid, but for the club. Christopher Atherton uh, of Glenavon in Northern Ireland became the youngest senior footballer in the history of the United Kingdom 
at 13 years and 329 days of age. That is just far, far, far too young. Far too young. The world record for the youngest player ever to play in a senior game was Solomon Mammon. Or, yeah, Solomon Mammon, who played for Togo against Zambia. He was 10 years younger than Atherton. Um, that was 21 years ago. He somehow ended up at Manchester United. Never played for them. Got loaned to Royal Antwerp and was retired by the age of 27, having not really had much of a career. That game for Togo at 13 was one of eight appearances that he made. And Togo haven't exactly been flush with top-class players. I, I just think when you play these kids, so I remember Freddie Adu, loads of other these wonderkins who get pushed forward so young and it just it doesn't work for them at all. Um what's the kid that was a Celtic uh Karamoko yeah Karamoko Dembele. I mean Rogers had him playing in the Celtic under twenties at 13 and he's just he never made the grade at Celtic and he's gone to Brest. I don't know how he's doing but just didn't work. Didn't work too or too early. Too much pressure, put in against men, and just not able to, not able to cope. Uh, Arsenal versus Man City has been moved because Arsenal versus PSG had to be rearranged. So that game was meant to take place on the nineteenth. Instead, Arsenal will play PSV on the twentieth, and there is no date as yet for when that game against City will be rearranged for. I'm assuming it will be at some point in January. There's talk already that they could scrap replays for the FA Cup third and fourth round. Just scrap replays throughout the FA Cup. Just do away with them. It's pointless. Uh, Gavi has finally signed his contract at Barcelona. Contract till 2026, 1 billion euro Release clause, he is uh, now 18, obviously. And to be fair, he, the kid is unbelievably good. So you can understand why Barca were so desperate to tie him down. Uh, Huddersfield have sacked another manager, Danny Schofield, sacked after just nine games in charge, took over in the summer. Didn't go well, I think it's fair to say. Uh, Todd Bowley has suggested an all-star game. Long-time listeners will know I also suggested an All-Star game, and I actually still think it's a good idea. I think you use it instead of the Community Shield, play it as the curtain raiser to the season, have it as a full weekend, do a women's All-Star game, do whatever you need to do around it. Make it a bit of an event. Hold it in other parts of the world if need be, and make it something that grows the game. Players will want to be involved. Players will absolutely want to be involved. And I've seen people say, oh, the football will be awful because it will be all disjointed. If you put the 22 best players in the league on the same pitch, the football is not going to be bad. It might be a bit disjointed, but it will be fun. And that's all you want it to be. Like, watch the NBA All-Star game. It's just fun. It's not good. It's fun. Same thing with the Pro Bowl. Same thing with the the, uh, Major League Baseball All-Star game. These things are fun. And use them to trial gimmicks. 
Houston to trial that weird penalty thing where players dribble the ball in from the halfway line. You know, do do skills challenges, do different things. Just make it interactive and get the fans involved. Have the fans vote in a couple of things. It will be fun, or it would be fun. I don't think Bowley is wrong about this. Now, he's made some mad suggestions as well, but I don't think this one's bad. Uh, and I think it's upset all the right people, including Gary Neville, uh, Ollie Holt, and Gary Lineker, all of whom are generally wrong about most stuff. Uh, we will finish up then with the gossip. Paris Saint-Germain are planning to offer Lionel Messi a new contract and Barcelona are interested in re-signing the Argentine forward. We will not make a, a decision on his future until after the World Cup. I do think there's a world in which Messi goes back to Argentina next summer. But what I want him to do is I want him to go to MLS because I think it would just be spectacular to see him, you know, go over there and elevate the game. Uh, Chelsea, Manchester City and Manchester United have joined Liverpool in the race for Jude Bellingham. Barcelona have denied they're close to agreeing to reduce the purchase clause on Antoine Griezmann's loan deal from £35 million to £22 million. Atleti have only been using the French forward as a late sub so they've not triggered the clause. Liverpool made a move to sign Federico Valverde just before the deadline and willing to pay, pay Real Madrid £87 million. For the Uruguayan midfielder. He, if you were to design a Jurgen Klopp midfielder in a lab, it would be him. He would be absolutely perfect and solve most of the problems in Liverpool's team. You sit him in ahead of Trent and most problems disappear. Uh, Killing Mbappe's contract extension as at PSG is a two-year extension with an option for the third year. Real Madrid coach Carlo Ancelotti has given up answering questions about whether Mbappe will join the club when he leaves PSG. Well, Carlo won't be there, so Carlo shouldn't be answering those questions. Chelsea owner Todd Bowley has offered PSG sporting director Luis Campos £7 million a year to join the Premier League club immediately. Luis Campos is doing something really interesting where he's basically running the football side of things at PSG. He's also the consultant sporting director type of guy for Celta Vigo, and I think Galatasaray as well, and involved in their recruitment. So he, he's kind of controlling a little bit of Europe at the minute. I don't think he's going to take that offer from Chelsea. A German club, a Spanish club, and two English clubs are interested in signing N'Golo Kante if the French midfielder does not sign a new deal. The 31-year-old's contract expires next summer. Well, let's see. The German club would have to be Bayern because no one else could afford him. The Spanish club, I would guess Real Madrid, but it could be Barca because no one else could afford to pay his wages. And the two English clubs, I would have to guess probably Spurs because he's played for for Conte and it was Conte that brought him to Chelsea and United because it's just a very United thing to do. Uh, Barcelona opted to sign Rafinha instead of Anthony because they felt he's a more complete player and will cost less. He is a vastly superior player, but he is three years older, to be fair. Arsenal are trying to agree new deals with Bakayo Saka, Gabriel Martinelli and William Saliba, all of whom are 21 and all of whom have contracts that run out in 2024, all of whom should wait and see what happens this season. Because don't tie yourself to a club that aren't going somewhere. 
you'll know by the end of the season where Arsenal are going. Watford's Austrian goalkeeper Daniel Backman says Manchester United attempted to sign him in the summer. I mean, he's not very good, so they probably did. Inter Milan are open to contract extension talks with Milan Skriniar after interest from Paris Saint-Germain this summer. Leicester are looking to sign Lens and Belgian forward Luis Openda after his bright start to the season. He's one of those players that there's definitely loads of talent there. And he had a really good time at Vietas Arnhem when he was on loan. Started this season quite well, to be fair to him. But he's only just moved. He's not going to move again. Um, but yeah, there's, there's something I like about him. But then there's something that makes me think he, he might he might not be consistent enough on, on the big stage. Uh, Uruguay winger Facundo Palestri has asked to leave Manchester United because he is not part of Eric Ten Hag's plans. He's very, very talented. And somebody will snap him up and turn him into a hell of a player. Brighton's shortlist of candidates includes Frank Heiss of Lens, uh, Kettle Nutson of Bodo Glimt, and Shakhtar Donetsk coach, or ex-Shakhtar Donetsk coach, Roberto De Zerbi, uh, reported today, I think, by Andy Naylor in The Athletic, that also Bo Svensson of Mines, who I did suggest last week, would be somebody... The only one that I suggested that hasn't propped up yet is um is Hulmund, the the Danish national team coach, and he's probably not going to be willing to leave at this point. So yeah, not so bad. Um Sampdoria president Marco Lana wants Harry Winks to prove that Tottenham made a mistake in loaning him out in the summer. I mean, Winks was the one that pushed to leave, so you know. Zlatan Ibrahimovic has stated he has no plans to retire and won't give up as he recovers from knee surgery. Uh, Zlatan, to be fair, is 40 and is still pretty good. He'll be 41 next month. And, you know, he still contributes regularly for his team. He's altered his game massively. But last season, he got eight goals in 23 games and, and played an important part in Milan winning the league title, which gave him two at Ajax, two at Juve, three at Inter Milan, now two at Milan and four at Paris Saint-Germain. The only clubs where he failed to win a league title were LA Galaxy, where he was for two years, and Manchester United, where, to be fair, he was only there for like a year. and The second year doesn't count because of the knee. And that's it. That is everything for today, folks. I will see you all tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.